Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Well, hello there, Orange fans. Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Tyler Anki here with you until 10 o'clock. Got a lot to get to in today's episode. We've got some NBA draft talk, a little bit of speculation about where Tyus Battle and O'Shea Brissett went, as well as kind of a wrap-up of where all of Syracuse's opponents, as well as some other ACC guys, went in the 2018 NBA draft. Tim Leonard's going to join me for that. He's a colleague of mine here at the Fizz. We'll get all those thoughts and more. And then I've also got a little bit of football to get to as well. Syracuse picked up another recruit in its class of 2019 and uh, some basketball talk as well. Joe Girard making some moves and trimming his school list a little bit. I'll get to all that and a little bit more. But first, be sure to follow us online everywhere, orangefizz.net. Also, we're on Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, and iTunes, Orange Fizz. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes. You'll get all the latest Fizzcasts as well as full episodes of Fizz Radio like this and exclusive interviews as well. All right, so first off, I think Joe Girard is the fan favorite here, and we got to talk about him whenever he's in the news, so... Trims the list down a little bit, gets it down to six, and this is coming off of a absolutely phenomenal senior season at Glens Falls where he averaged 50 points per game, broke the New York State scoring record. He's been phenomenal, shoots the lights out of the ball in Syracuse. One of the first ones in on his services in terms of the major programs, but here's let's just go through his list real quick so he's got Syracuse he's got Duke Michigan Notre Dame Boston College and Penn State so it's all ACC and Big Ten that's coming out so you know you're going to be in some competition with some huge schools that and again Joe Girard only a three-star guy but that might be changing a little bit because of how he's done on the AAU circuit as well as how he did in high school and the fact that he's also a multi-sport athlete. So, I mean, he's got the athleticism. He's got some looks to play college football as well so at the FBS level. Granted, they're lower level offers, but, I mean, college football is college football. This guy's a multi-sport athlete. And here's why this is going to be a really interesting battle. I wrote a piece earlier this week where we kind of look at all of Joe Girard's options in the final six. And... Syracuse, again, you got the hometown card for you going. And that's no secret. He's the clo- It's the closest school, and it's not even close amongst the other offers. Only about an hour and a half drive. So Syracuse, of course, in on him. He's definitely seen a, a good amount of Syracuse games, I would imagine. The only thing is, is what is the guard position going to be like for Syracuse? When you look at it, there's going to be a good amount of turnover these next couple of years. Frank Howard is gone next season. Ty's battle is all but gone next season. That's leaving Jalen Carey and Buddy Bayheim, and then Bryson Gooding is going to be in that backcourt come 2019. If you have Joe Girard and Buddy Bayheim, you're going to shoot the lights out of the ball. And Joe Girard even kind of tweeted about that, saying, look, look at this backcourt uh, that the Atlanta Hawks just drafted. This was on Thursday on the draft day. Look at this backcourt that they drafted. It's 
Trey Young and Kevin Herter. And I know Joe Girard's a big Kevin Herter fan because they grew up not too far apart. So he loves those good backcourt combos that can shoot the lights out of the ball. Maybe go join Buddy Bayheim and Jalen Carey, two guys who can shoot the hell out of the ball as well. And Bryson Goodin, too, is one of the top three-point shooters on the AAU circuit right now. So if he likes what the Atlanta Hawks are doing shooting-wise, go join what Syracuse is doing shooting-wise as well. you got a pretty good shot to make a lot of buckets. Uh, again, though, you always got to think about who the competition is in this. And Jerry McNamara is the one recruiting Joe Girard, and I'm sure there's plenty of things that they can relate on as kind of being undersized guards in college. But look at the career that Jerry McNamara had, one of the most beloved Orange players, and then he also is a national champion. You don't that, That's going to be his pitch to Joe Girard when, when he comes in for official visits and, and stuff like that, and when he comes to the Carrier Dome to see a game. Even though I don't think we're going to see Joe Girard make a decision after the college basketball season starts because he's a football player, like I mentioned, and he's told people he wants to have this decision done before the col- or before the high school football season starts, which is going to be September 1st for him. So Syracuse is going to, probably going to know by the end of the summer where Joe Girard is playing his college basketball. And you really want to get him into the Dome, even though he's probably been there for a handful of games already, given the nature of how close he lives. But just to experience that, and the fact that maybe he doesn't get a chance to experience a game at Cameron. Or he doesn't get to experience a game at Notre Dame. Granted, Cameron is a completely different beast than what's going on in South Bend. But it's good that he's got that local flair to him. And that's something that I think is really going to help Syracuse's case. But again, Duke is Duke. And everything that I say about Jerry McNamara applies right back at Duke's primary recruiter for Joe Girard. That's John Shire. Again, a beloved Dukey. Brought them a national championship back in the day, about a decade ago. And he's got the same pitch. I was a lights-out shooter, and I came here and became one of the most loved Duke players. Was hated across the country, but I didn't care. I shot the lights out, and I got my ring. And that's all that mattered to me, and I won a ton of ball games. And now, guess what? I've got a spot on Coach K's bench. Not a bad fallback for a guy who tried to go to the NBA, things didn't work out health-wise, and now he's one of Coach K's lead recruiters, and he might be next in line. Now that Jeff Capel has gone to Pitt, he might be next in line, and he might be next in line at the right time for Coach K's departure. Again, K may never retire. We may see him just fall flat right on the sidelines there, but... I mean, Shire has a real good shot to be the next Duke basketball coach, unless he gets hired somewhere else. Because remember, Pitt was looking at him too. So there's that as well. And then you've got a school like Michigan, who's got the family ties already with Gerard's family, because John Beeline, head coach of the Wolverines, coached Joe's father at Lemoyne, not too far from Syracuse, many moons ago. So, and and now... John Beeline's son, of course, the head coach at LeMoyne. So, again, the, there's all these ties and all these weird wrinkles that things just happen. <laughs> and there's a history to it. So, you never know how things are going to unfold like that. You're listening to Fizz Radio here on The Score 1260. Tyler Rock talking some Joe Girard recruiting news with you on Fizz Radio. I just want to run through the last couple of names here. Notre Dame, Mike Bray, 
Again, we saw what he did with Matt Farrell these past couple of years. He was a great player for the Irish. Maybe that's kind of his pitch to him. And Bray just always wins, even when the deck is stacked against him. He just has a knack for it. One of the most underrated coaches in the country, by my standards. And then these last two, Boston College and Penn State, they kind of feel like the ACC and Big Ten equivalents of each other, where they're not winning programs right now, but you saw some flashes of what could be. Tony Carr, obviously not with the Nittany Lions anymore, but he showed that you can succeed at Penn State. And Boston College, Jerome Robinson was just a lottery pick in the NBA draft. Went way higher than he was supposed to go. Kai Bowman's a fun player. Jordan Chapman's a fun player. And there's going to be a backcourt void at some point there. Those guys are going to be either in the NBA or graduating in the next year or two when Joe Girard finally takes center stage on the college level. So does he kind of look at maybe I'm going for a program that I'm not necessarily going to win a ton of games, but I have a chance to, and I'm going to be the guy right away. That's your Boston College. That's your Penn State. And Penn State also was the first big program to start recruiting him. Or does he look at, I want to cut down some nets and maybe sacrifice a little bit of playing time. I'm going to look at a team like Syracuse, Duke, Michigan, Notre Dame. And not, not saying that he's going to necessarily be sacrificing player time, playing time, but he'll be sacrificing a lot more than he would be at a program like Penn State or Boston College. All right, that's enough Joe Girard. Let's go to football. Coming up next, Syracuse, a new recruit in the class of 2019. I'll tell you who it is and how he fits in the program. You're listening to Fizz Radio. Fizz Radio here on the Score 1260. Tyler Aki got you locked in until 10 o'clock this Saturday morning. Be sure to tweet at the show at Orange Fizz. Also follow us online, orangefizz.net or Tweet at me as well, at TylerAki underscore. That's Tyler, A-K-I underscore. For any thoughts on today's Fizz Radio episodes. Okay, so we just wrapped up a little bit of Joe Girard recruiting talk. He put Syracuse in his top six. I'm going to address some of these thoughts in Fizz feedback later on in the show. I'll also talk a little bit of NBA draft and how Syracuse would have fared this year. That's coming up next segment with Tim Leonard. So definitely tune into that because we always have fun. We're talking the landscape of college basketball. That's going to be a fun talk in a little bit. Let's get back to the football recruiting trail. And I talked a little bit about this last week. And now Syracuse, they got Joe Rondi last week. They had Courtney Jackson earlier in the spring. And now Anthony Red is joining the Orange, an offensive lineman. And 6'4", a little north of 280, that's the kind of prototypical size you want in your lineman a big guy first offensive lineman recruit in the class third overall and let's just say this Syracuse is going to need some offensive linemen in the coming years as I've alluded to in the past and Red kind of fits that bill and he's got some good guys to work under we've seen Dino Babers now I know Tyrone Sampson didn't commit to Syracuse but Dino Babers showed the ability to go out and attract the big offensive lineman. Then he goes out and gets Kadir White. So that's two guys right there. Now, I know Samson's not on the team, but those are two guys that he could have built this offensive line around. He's got one still, so that's still big. And now you just got to keep kind of retooling and retooling, and we'll see some of these four- and five-star guys commit further down the line across the, the summer. But... Offensive line is definitely an area of need, and bringing in Anthony Red is a big step to kind of building towards that. Syracuse's offensive line, of course, 
It's been a little spotty these last couple years, giving up a good amount of sacks, and, and sometimes you can't keep Eric Dungy upright. And you're going to need to do that a little bit more when you've got Tommy DeVito, more of a pro-style pocket passer quarterback. He's not going to be able to evade pass rushers as well as a guy like Eric Dungy did, unless he's learning a thing or two from Dungy. So certainly uh, good to bolster that offensive line while you can. Now you got Kadir White for these next four seasons. What you do need to remember, though, is that this team is losing a lot of guys. And while the collective offensive line hasn't been that great over these last couple of years, some individuals have been spectacular. You look at a guy like Cody Conway. He's seemingly on that pro football focus uh, all-ACC team almost every week. Syracuse always has like one or two guys on that. Uh, Jamar McGloster, I think, was a name that was frequently on that list as well. Now you bring in a, a Coda Martin, the uh, the uh, son-in-law of Dino Babers. He's coming in as a grad transfer from Texas A&M. So you're going to have a pretty good offensive line, it looks like, for 2018. But you got to build on that because a lot of these pieces are going to be leaving. You look at a Coda Martin, he's going to be gone as a grad transfer. You look at a Cody Conway, he's going to be gone. So you're going to have to fill these voids from an offensive line that from year to year is losing a, not very much from 2017 to 2018. But 2018 to 2019, you're losing pieces and you're losing talent. And you're going to need to retool that. So going out and getting an offensive lineman like an Anthony Red, that's good stuff for Syracuse to continue to bolster that that area in the trenches. And again, just the third recruit in the class of 2019. Fizz Radio here on the Score 1260. Tyler Aki talking some SU football recruiting. Just give you a little background on Anthony Red. I already blurted out his size. 6'4", a little north of 280 pounds. Also had some other, not not really big offers, but kind of localish offers. Buffalo Temple, UMass. So he, he can play guard, he can play tackle. He looks like he can do a little bit of both. So that's good to have that versatility as well, especially in college football when you never know when you're going to pull in a transfer like a Coda Martin and then you can shift things and maybe you have an injury and you're sliding guys. So just to have that experience at all points on the offensive line. Certainly good for Syracuse. 47th best guard in his class, three-star guy. And who knows exactly what his role is going to be with this team. That's going to be determined down the road. But Anthony Red, the third recruit in the class of 2019 for Dino Babers and company. And this is coming on the heels of a week where they lost out on a receiver, Brandon White, uh, three-star wide receiver, commits to Baylor. Ironically enough, that's where Dino Babers was a wide receiver coach at once upon a time at Baylor with the Bears, and he produced some pretty good receivers there. You, you think of guys like Terrence Williams, Josh Gordon, although he's had his off-the-field issues, and the fact that a lot of them give a, a decent amount of credit to Dino Babers at helping them develop. So it would have been nice to have a guy like Brandon White, get, but we're going to see a lot of speed coming into this receiving core in these next couple of seasons. So that's certainly exciting to look out for down the road for Syracuse football. All right, coming up next, we've got NBA Draft Talk. Tim Leonard and I break down everything that went down on Thursday. It's going to be a lot of fun. You're listening to Fizz Radio. All right, back here on Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Just finished up some football and some basketball recruiting talk. And now 
we bring on a colleague here at the Fizz and our friend Tim Leonard. Tim, thanks so much for joining us here. Now, again, we're recording this on a Thursday night. We the, the, the second round is about to start now, but this has brought up some questions here. For me personally, at least, where would we have seen guys like Tyus Battle and O'Shea Brissett go? But before we get into any of that, let's just start both how, how both of our teams did. You're pretty stoked right now, Celtics fan, Robert Williams. Yeah, I'm you're pumped calm, up. I mean, the only time I watched Robert Williams play a game of ba- play the game of basketball was against UNC in whatever the second round of the tournament, and he, I think he was like the best player in the world when I watched him that day. Pretty sure he won if that I game was, for them. Yeah, if I was an alien and came down on on planet Earth to watch just that game, I would have thought he was like Michael Jordan. So. I've never watched him play outside of that, so I'm just going to go into the uh, regular season expecting that guy to come. Probably won't happen, but regardless, with the 27th pick, I wasn't too optimistic they get any real talent, and it seems like he's a lottery-level talent that might have some character issues, but I, I'm okay with that. Yeah, we can accept the character issues in the NBA. That, that That's just not a, a problem for me in my book. I'm pretty happy with how the Bulls did. They got Wendell Carter, a guy who Syracuse played a lot this season, and Chandler Hutchinson, a guy who Syracuse couldn't have even thought of playing, but apparently Mike Hopkins likes him a lot, so there's my Syracuse endorsement. That's all I need. Hop's a great <laughs> guy, so I'm all on, on Team Hop and Team Hutchinson now. So you're not upset they didn't take Michael Porter? No, not upset. I think the back thing, well, I was kind of split on it because it was one of those things like, okay, do we just blow the whole thing up even if Porter doesn't work out? Do you just blow the whole thing up? and right. just run it back next year, and hopefully you get, like, R.J. Barrett or something like that. Or if he pans out, then you got the steal of the draft, which Denver may have gotten. And now Michael Porter thinks he's out to be, like, better than Carmelo Anthony because he says he's going to be the best pick that Denver's ever had. Well, he's a cross between KD and Giannis. Don't right. forget. As, as he's told, the Fizz founder, Damon Amendolara, earlier this week on his show, the DA show, which you can hear on the Score 1260. Anyways... So we're both pretty happy. Again, second round hasn't even started yet as we're recording this, but it looks like a a happy bunch between you and I. Now, some guys that Syracuse played throughout the regular season that were picked in the NBA draft, I've got some questions, and I really think the guy who's going to get hurt the most from this is someone like O'Shea Brissett. Now, hear me out here. I know a lot of people thought, okay, O'Shea definitely needs to come back for another year, really tighten up some loose screws. But look at how this first round kind of played out, okay? Let's just take a look at what happened with Robert Williams, a guy who last year a lot of people thought could be a top 10 pick, comes back to college, and he slips all the way to 20, what were the Celtics pick, 27? 25? 27, yeah. 27. So he's fallen upwards of 17 to 20 spots in the NBA draft by going back to school. Now, I'm not saying O'Shea Brissett was a projected top 10 pick because that's simply not true. But you go to the combine, you maybe figure some things out. I mean, look at guys like Kevin Herter, Dante DiVincenzo, even Jerome Robinson. Yeah. I mean, talk about a skyrocket. These are guys who decided to just put their name, test out the waters, see what happens, and it, it ended up paying off. For them, and no, they yeah, ended up I being mean, first rounders. I thought Robinson was right in the Tyus battle range in contemplating coming back. I mean, I, I mean, he was a second rounder. I feel like for a little bit. 
Yeah, he was definitely an early second round, right around the time he had to make that decision. He really skyrocketed. And even later on, it must have just been that the Clippers really, really liked him. And they weren't willing to take the risk and trade down for him, so they just snatched him at 13 because he was their guy. Yeah, I... The thing with Jerome Robinson was, and, and you and I, this is huge for us, by the way, because we've both yeah. been riding this train that Boston College was the most fun team in the ACC, or most fun team in the country last year, let alone the ACC. And this is just big for us right here. It would have been huge if O'Shea also came to the draft or maybe plays with Darius Baisley in the G League down the line. But this is one of our big things. This is a big thing for you and I, as we point out on the FizzCast uh, many a time. But Jerome Robinson... Again, a guy who just absolutely ascended, went way higher to the Clippers at 13. So, just kind of shows you, you throw your name in, maybe that good things happen like that. Well, he- think about, I mean, going off of your point of last year and how quickly things can change. Imagine if you told someone last year at this time that Jerome Robinson will be taken with the 13th pick ahead of Michael Porter. Right. Who obviously was the number one recruit out of high school. And it just shows you that, A... No one really knows what to expect going into draft night, even after all this research and everything, because one team can just like a certain guy or or give them the guarantee or whatever. And then also, especially, no one knows what to expect when you're looking at it a year in advance. Right, exactly. So much can happen from October to the end of the of the college basketball regular season. And, and even, you, you really have to wait all the way up until that national championship, as shown, by Dante DiVincenzo, our Mala candidate for this year. Keep in mind, we did say that he was going to play his way not only into the draft, but he played his way into the top 20, going to the Bucks, which seems a little high for me because, again, we've brought it up. This is a guy who probably came into college maybe not thinking he was going to be an NBA player. No, he was like your classic four-year guy that I thought would be around forever, and if Villanova was bounced in the second round, I don't think he enters his name in the draft. I don't think he's even in the conversation or appears on any mock drafts. And because he doesn't even test the run, waters. He, no, I, I really don't even think he tests the waters. I mean, what he did in the regular season was nothing special at all. He was Basically, solid. Yeah, he was a role player for, for the you know a really good team, but he didn't have any like eye-popping stats or anything to get the scouts appeal it was just that he played really well on a big stage and obviously you deserve a lot of credit for that but I agree 19 or whatever it was 20 is too high for him so I think you and I are kind of in agreement O'Shea should have at least tested the waters maybe seen how his stock was affected on the other hand though you look at how this first round kind of shook out I think Tyus Battle made the right decision coming back if he wanted to be a first round pick yeah I mean I don't think he would have been. He wouldn't have been a first round pick. No, I think that's that's easy. The first to say round at just ended as we're recording this. Right. I mean, he probably would have been early in the second round, but there's just no guarantee. He could have been, you know, forty seven, forty eight range, and that just isn't really. You only see guys getting taken in that range if they're like seniors and they have no choice but to go into the draft and no choice to come back. So I do think he made the right decision in hindsight. And obviously, he's going to have an opportunity now at Syracuse next year to improve his stock. Although, I think you're in the same camp as me. I don't see him going too too high. Like I don't think he gets anywhere lower than the end of the first round, even after a good year at Syracuse and maybe an all-ACC caliber year. 
I don't think he gets anywhere close to the lottery. Talking some NBA draft stuff here with Tim Leonard on the score 1260. You're listening to Fizz Radio. I'm Tyler Aki. So, yeah, I do agree with that point. I, I don't think that his stock is necessarily going to improve because, again, everyone always says, oh, this is a, a, a weaker class coming up next season. And then it ends up not being a weaker class. Look at this year. The, the two guys who you thought throughout the regular season were going to go number one, that being or I guess even three guys who you thought were going to go number one, that being Marvin Bagley, Michael Porter Jr., who you just mentioned, and Luka Doncic, all three of them didn't go number one. Right. (laughs) Someone else emerged. Not saying that DeAndre Ayton wouldn't have been a high pick throughout this entire process, but I don't think he was the number one pick through, through and through the regular season until we got to about March or April. That's when he started to kind of emerge as that top guy. So the competition gets steeper. You look at a guy like Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Dante DiVincenzo, who we mentioned, Jerome Robinson out of BC. I mean, even a guy like Trey Young. He wasn't supposed to necessarily be an NBA draft pick this year, and then he was. So it just kind of shows people come out of nowhere, and it's not necessarily going to be an easier path next year, especially with Battle when he's got another year of miles on his tires and... That just hasn't bode well for a lot of people. We saw Miles Bridges drop today, and we saw Robert Williams drop today. And I'm sure I'm forgetting a couple other names, too. Well, yeah, Michael Porter, too, obviously. But that that because of the health concerns. Mm -hmm. I know I saw earlier in the week, I think it was Draft Express, came out with a way, way too early 2019 mock draft. And it did have Battle, O'Shea Brissett, and even Frank Howard was the 60th selection, the last pick in that mock draft. But Battle was Next, Isaiah Thomas? Set. I'm, I'm pretty sure Battle was early second round, I think in the mid-30s, and then O'Shea was late first round. Now, again, that's way too early, and things will change, but I was surprised to see O'Shea in front of Tyus. You were surprised to see O'Shea in front of Tyus. That, that's not I mean, surprising to me, really. I think O'Shea has a chance to crack the lottery next year. Yeah, so I would say... O'Shea is going, he has more upside for sure, especially given, like you said, that he has a year less mileage on his body and is coming out a year younger. But just that Tyus was already out there and people knew about his status and and the workouts and everything, I figured I would see his name late first round at at the very latest in this 2019 mock draft. And then O'Shea, there's just more uncertainty around him because he hasn't done the workouts and all that, but I agree. I mean, I, I think O'Shea definitely has more upside. Tyus has more of like an NBA floor or a higher NBA floor right now, though, and I thought he would be higher in, in a mock draft from from someone that doesn't follow Syracuse too closely. Tyler Aki here with Tim Leonard. We're on Fizz Radio and talking some NBA draft and how Syracuse kind of plays out in all of this. Again, Syracuse without a guy in this year's NBA draft, but still some implications of sorts in terms of how things are going to pan out for next season and next season's draft. And you bring up that mock draft, and I believe you sent that to me earlier this week, and Tyus Battle was ahead of Darius Baisley. Yeah, where was Baisley again? I want to say Baisley was like early 40s. That's crazy. I mean, talk about taking a gamble on yourself. This was a guy who, I think if he was on the college route, this draft mock would probably have put him in the top 15. 
And I think yeah, Baisley's but... been as high, like, inside the top 20 on this mock and has just dropped tremendously. Right, because, I mean, the whole logic or the whole theory that we're bringing up about coming back and, and, and going to school for an extra year and, and losing more mileage and becoming a year older doesn't really apply to him. Yes, he didn't go to school, but obviously he would have been entering the draft at the same age anyway. And I always viewed him as someone that would go one and done at Syracuse and be a lottery pick or at least back half of the lottery and at the very latest, like early 20s maybe. But that's sh- shocking to me. Yeah, and it just, I mean, even looking at the draft this year, a high schooler went in the first round. Anthony Simons went first round. I forget who exactly took him, but I believe it was the Trailblazers. Yeah, Trailblazers. And they lasered in on him. Yeah, as Woj kindly put it. (laughs) Um, But the. I mean, Darius Basley's not going to be picked in the 40s next year. There's no doubt in my mind about that. But. I just think that, yes, college is probably the better route for him, at least exposure-wise, and I think that is going to be the thing that hurts him more than the whole training aspect of it. I think just the fact that he's not going to get the same exposure, it just feels a little weird now, and I think that's going to hurt him down the line. I don't know about you. Yeah, no, I agree. I was honestly pretty surprised that Frank Howard's name was even on that mock draft. I was too. And I know it doesn't really matter because it's not like, oh, he's going to see his name on the mock draft and leave a year earlier. Like, he's going to graduate next year anyway and will be out of eligibility for Syracuse. But I just never viewed Frank Howard as an NBA player, especially after watching him play in his sophomore year. This year was a little bit better, but even in the tournament and all that, I know – we were a little disappointed with his play in the tournament. Maybe he was dealing with some injuries or whatever, but I always thought he was one of those guys that might try to make it into the NBA, play a couple years professionally in some smaller leagues right out of college, and then end up on, like, Bayheim's Army or something. <laughs> I, I never thought he'd get drafted, though, well, and I'm not trying to just slight Frank Howard, but he's never stuck out as an NBA player to me. Here's the reason, here's the case for Frank Howard, and he's going to have to have a hell of a senior season if he wants to make it in the NBA, or at least get drafted into the NBA, no matter where it is. But he's six foot five, and he's a point guard. Look how that worked out for Shea Gilgis Alexander. That landed him inside the top dozen. He was a lottery pick after not beginning the year as a starting point guard at Kentucky. But he's six, I believe Alexander is six six. So right. if you. If you've got the size like that, and he can go out and prove himself as a big point guard who can handle the rock and maybe develop that jump shot even more, then maybe there is a spot for him. Again, you I think both of us have never been super high on Frank Howard. The decision-making is spotty at best. But, I mean, the second round just started, and I'm seeing some of these first couple names off the board. Javon Carter and Jalen Brunson are picks two and three in this second round so far that I've seen. So there you go. If you're a point guard, it really doesn't matter your size. They may opt for some of these smaller guys, or maybe the height is the 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 thing that sets him over the top and makes him that NBA prospect and gives him a shot. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the appeal to him, is that he can guard multiple positions, which we all know is something that the NBA pundits salivate over, and that's all the talk is nowadays, is it's positionless basketball, and all that matters is if you can get five guys out there that are like six eight, six nine, like the Warriors have mastered when they go to that death lineup. But, I mean, I guess that's the draw. I just think the decision-making, along with the fact that he's just not really great at 
attacking the basket off the dribble and like scoring at the rim. He's improved his jump shot and like off the dribble, even his jumper has gotten a little bit better, which obviously shooting in today's NBA is also really important. So he's got that going for him. If he keeps improving that, I just don't see him finishing in traffic at the NBA level at a high rate, especially after what we've seen at Syracuse. All right, Tim Leonard, last question before I let you go here. The guy that you saw drafted today that went that played against Syracuse last year and went way too high. I think there's an obvious answer, but I'm going to go contrary. I've got Kevin Herter. I think, Real? Oh, I think wow. the scouts, because oh, I think Kevin Herter is a good player. That and is a guy a... actually that, that Bayheim really wanted and right. tried to get, but didn't have a scholarship as he went off on a press conference after he buried <laughs> Syracuse. But um, in true Jimmy fashion. But I think Kevin Herter went a little too high. I'm not saying he's going to be like an NBA player or a good NBA player, but I think nine, I think it was 19 I saw is too high for him. And I feel like all the scouts did was was look at that Syracuse game maybe because he was very spotty and, and honestly kind of disappointed. I think his stock was supposed to be higher when he got to Maryland, and especially going into this past year. And he did have a great game against Syracuse. So Syracuse fans might remember him as being – really good or a little bit better than they expected and think 19 is right but i think the nba scouts might have gotten a little too a little too attached to the syracuse game because other times that i saw him i don't think he really did much or when his shooting was down he wasn't providing too much yeah that's fair i think the the classic answer here would have been jerome robinson but you and i are just too high on boston college basketball to do that we can't go against our brand like that mine is and this is going to be a little testy here. I think a lot of people are going to disagree with me, but it's Jaron Jackson. I'm sorry, yeah, but... He, I, don't, I don't like Jaron Jackson either. I've never been a Jaron Jackson guy. He was not giving a lot of minutes throughout the season, and when you're going up against Andrew Dockich, Charles Matthews, and Brian McIntosh, and that's who you're getting your blocks against, <laughs> I'm, that's just not impressive to me. I'm sorry, it's no. not. No, I mean, the thing with him, I'm kind of torn, because yes, he does have like exactly what you want right. in terms of a, a center in today's NBA, defensively especially. Like, he has that Al Horford makeup where he could, you know, defend a guard and also be somewhat of a rim protector. But you have to stand out a little bit and get numbers to an extent. And I know he didn't play a ton of minutes, but that's puzzling to me. Yeah, like everyone always brings up... In the tournament, he did not look like a guy that was supposed to be an NBA lottery pick. To an extent, I understand he's more of a project and a long-term guy, but... To an extent, you have to stand out. You have to right. show off or, or prove that you're an NBA lottery guy. And he just looked like an average college player in that tournament game. Yeah, I mean, everyone brings up, oh, look at his per 36. Well, he, he doesn't play 36 minutes, so why does it matter? Right. Th- that was the whole thing with me. Per 36, he's got like 20 fouls per 36 <laughs> minutes. All well, he does is foul, so. Pascal Chukwu syndrome. Be his, yeah, if defense is going to be his calling card, he's got to clean that up, too. All right, Tim Leonard, got to let you go now. Thanks so much for joining me. That was awesome, man. I'll hop on again sometime soon. Sounds good. All right, coming up next, Fizz Feedback. Let's wrap this thing up. You're listening to Fizz Radio. Putting a bow on this one. Time for Fizz Feedback here on Fizz Radio. I put out questions on our Twitter, at Orange Fizz, and you guys vote. 
right here. And now I, Tyler Rocky, read them out to you, see what the pulse of Fizz Nation is regarding a, a number of topics. And I got one basketball, one football one. The, the first one I'm going to go off of is inspired kind of by a post that was written on our website, orangefizz.net, earlier this week. A little bit different. Um, but this one says, which high-profile team does Syracuse have the best chance at upsetting? Is it going to be versus Florida State, which is early on in the season, at Clemson, or a neutral site game with Notre Dame? I agree with the people here. And... To be quite honest, this doesn't even seem close. I think it is definitely Notre Dame at the neutral site at Yankee Stadium. 55% of Orange fans said that's the game they think Syracuse has the best chance of upsetting. Next is Florida State at 43% and Clemson just 2%. And I think that's right on the head. 2% for a win on the road at Clemson. I'd give Syracuse about a 2% chance to win that game. I know they beat Clemson last year. This year's a completely different story. You're going to have a healthy quarterback, likely, and you're also playing at home. And the last time Syracuse played Clemson in Death Valley, it was a 50-plus point loss. So I believe that's the worst loss Dino Babers has ever suffered as a head coach, too. So uh, maybe you go back with a vengeance. Who knows? But I'm giving Syracuse about a, a 2% chance to win that game at Clemson next year. Next up, SU has a blank percent chance at landing Joe Girard. Is it going to be 0 to 20, 21 to 30, 31 to 40, or 40 plus? This one is tied at the top, and I strongly agree with one of the options at the top, and I strongly disagree with the other option at the top. So leading the way is 21 to 30 and 40 plus at 31%. And next up is 31 to 40% with 22% of the vote and 0 to 20 at 16%. That's in the caboose of this poll. And to me, it just seems like 21 to 30 is the right call here. You can never be, I feel like, more than, you can't be more than 30% when you're in a recruiting battle with Duke. Now, you're going to throw in a couple other major blue blood programs like a, a Notre Dame and, and a Michigan. I mean, Michigan's coming off a national championship bid where they, granted, they got the floor swept with them by Villanova. But, I mean, that Villanova team is one of the better college basketball champions we've seen in recent memory. And to me, 40-plus, you, you can't say it when you're in a recruiting battle with Duke, when you're in a recruiting battle with John Beeline. Mike Bray, and then that's not even you're discounting the fact that the first major program to offer him is also in that sweepstakes. So it, it just seems too easy for me, at least, to to put him in that 21 to 30, and and even that might be a little bit generous because just because you have a 21 to 30 percent chance of getting a guy doesn't mean that you're not going to get him because you're slicing that pie with five other teams. So 21 to 30 could still theoretically be a front runner, but I think you can kind of throw BC and Penn State out the window. I really think this is more of a four dog race, really more like three and a half. I think this is going to come down to Michigan, Duke, and Syracuse. And I think it's going to come down to what does he value and where does he see himself fitting in? Because at a school like Duke, that's where you see the revolving door every single year. 
especially in this one-and-done era. I mean, look, look at Duke. They just fire-sailed all their players to the NBA. Every single one of them, it seems like, it has gone on to the next level. You got two top 10 picks in Marvin Bagley and Wendell Carter. By the way, Marvin Bagley should be the best player in this NBA draft. That's that's my personal take on it after watching a full season of him at Duke. But, but that aside, there's going to be opportunity at Duke year to year. It's going to be whether Joe Girard thinks he can compete with these McDonald's All-Americans that Coach K brings in every year. Meanwhile, at Syracuse... We haven't really seen them get that McDonald's All-American type player lately. Yeah, they had Darius Baisley for a hot second. Malachi Richardson was a McDonald's All-American as well. But it's trailed off a little bit, and they fit more for scheme as opposed to going after the most talented guy on the board. So it'll be interesting. Duke, Syracuse, Michigan. I think that's going to be his final three if he even comes out with the final three. All right, that's going to do it for us here on Fizz Radio. I'm Tyler Rocky. We'll see you next week. 